All right, well, good evening. Uh, good evening. My name is Mike, and I uh, just want to say welcome to Northwood Young Adults. Uh, Northwood Young Adults, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because you are welcomed and wanted here. So it's good to see you. Thank you for braving the rain tonight. You guys staying dry out there? We were talking before service how, like, man, what a, what a strange statement when you really think about it. Like, that's impossible when it's raining, right? Um, well, tonight we are continuing our series, Chemistry. And so the first two weeks of this series, we've talked about our chemistry with God. Uh, and then last week we talked about our chemistry with others. And so tonight, kind of fresh off Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about our chemistry with the opposite sex. All right? So this is going to be a fun one, all right? Did, anyone, did everyone just get kind of nervous a little bit? All right, I hope not. Anyway, it's going to be fun. All right. (laughs) Uh, Romantic relationships are uh, one of the diciest parts of life, right? Uh, uh, Diciest parts of life to navigate because men and women are so different, right? And not just when it comes to anatomy, okay? Men and women are different in the way that they, you know, the way that they think, the way, we, you know, they process emotions, the, the way that, you know, how our brains work, how we're designed by God, et cetera. And so no wonder romantic relationships are so difficult, right? They involve people and very different people at that. And so trying to make those relationships not only survive but thrive is a lot of hard work. Um, and so I know we have uh, single people in here, we have dating couples, we have married couples, and so I'm going to do my best to have this message apply to everyone, no matter what season of life, what stage of life that you're in. Uh, and I also wanted to mention, especially for the, 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 the single and dating crowd, you know, you may have noticed that there is not a, a ton of dating advice in Scripture. And so what we're going to have to do tonight is we're going to have to look at what the Bible says and what Scripture says about marriage and then kind of reverse engineer those principles to apply them to a dating relationship. Okay, sound good. So no matter what stage of life you're in tonight, there's going to be something for you in this message. So about six years ago, uh, when I was going to ask Emily to marry me, okay, we can go ahead and get out of the way. Ah, okay. When I was going to ask Emily to marry me, like I said, about six years ago, um, uh, she had made it clear to me that if I were to ever ask her to marry me, that I would have to ask for permission from her mom, but also from her grandpa. And so, so the time came for me to ask her to, to marry me, and I got the ring and like got all, you know, it was all exciting. I was able to talk to her mom, and that was the easy part. She was like, yeah, go for it. Like, that's awesome. But you know you need to talk to her grandpa, right? And I said, yes, ma'am, I know. And so the next day, I called him, and I said, hey, um, and he already knew. He already knew what, was, you know, what it was about. And I said, hey, I, I think I, I need to talk to you. I was wondering if I, I, if I could talk to you. And he said, yeah, when can you come over? And I said, right now. And so I, he said, okay, meet me in the shed. Dead serious. He said, meet me in the shed. I said, okay. You know? And so basically they had a, uh, a shed in their backyard. They had turned it to another room of the house, basically. But he's like, yeah, the gate will be open. Meet me in the shed, in the backyard. I thought, great, you know. And so I, uh, I show up, I walk in through the door, through the, the back gate, and I uh, uh, walk into the shed, and we sit down, and he then pulls out this, this large yellow legal pad, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, 
the intimidating kind, you know? And he has, I see there's like notes on this thing. I don't know, I can't tell what it says. And so he begins asking me questions and taking notes for like my answers. And so he was like, okay, well, how, how long have you and Emily been together? And I said, three years. He said, okay. And he, and he wrote it down. And he said, okay, I have four questions for you. He said, he said, I want you to answer these. He said, are you prepared to take care of Emily financially? Are you prepared to take care of Emily emotionally? Are you prepared to take care of her physically? And are you prepared to take care of her spiritually? And we went through each one. And, uh, and after we were done, I mean, I did my best, okay? Uh, and after we were done, he shared this, this piece of advice with me that has always stuck with me. And, and it was kind of a, a metaphor. He said that women, women are born with this puzzle piece, the shape of a circle in their heart. And men are born with a square puzzle piece in their heart. And he said, and he looked at me, he said, it's your job to take your square puzzle piece and shave off the edges to make the relationship work, to make it fit. And he said, those edges are things like pride, things like jealousy, things like anger and impatience and self-centeredness. In other words, he said, if you want this relationship to work, you're going to have to set aside yourself, which is exactly God's design for healthy, romantic relationships. And so if you would pray with me, and then we're going to jump into this. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for a great time of worship. God, as that continues as we hear from your word, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. This wouldn't fall on uh, cold hearts, God, but but instead open hearts. God, that we would hear what you have to say to us and uh, and that we would be uh, closer to you on the way out than we were coming in. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Well, in order to see God's design for romantic relationships, we have to go back to the very beginning. Okay, so you may know the story. In the book of Genesis, we see God create Adam in the Garden of Eden, and we see that God says, man, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he puts Adam into this deep sleep. He takes a rib out of Adam, and he uses that rib to create the first woman, Eve. And so we, and then right after that, when you, we see that God lays out his design for marriage. And, and when you look at this design, okay, we're, we're going to read the verse here in a second. But when you look at this design, if you're, if you're single, you're going to get to see what you can prepare to become. If you're dating, you can see, you're going to see the target on the wall for your relationship. And if you're married, you're going to be reminded of, the, of the, the promise that you made, that decision you made before God to your spouse. And so after Eve is created, we see this verse. This is Genesis 2, 24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. All right, let's read that one more time, all right? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So when you read that, if you're single, you might think, what on earth does that have to do with me, right? If you're dating, you might think, okay, that's only for married people. And if you're married, you might be thinking, okay, I already did that. How does that help me? What's next? Well, I think there are three, I believe there are three applications in this verse for all of us. And we're going to see what this means for all of us regardless of our season of life. And so it starts out and it says what? It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Okay? All right. What does this imply? This implies an eventual split from who? Your parents. It implies growing up. Right? And I don't mean splitting from your parents relationally, like when you get married, you're like, hey, mom and dad, I'm done with you. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there should be a change in the role that parents play, right? When you get married, it is no more mommy and daddy's house. And so and a lot of people would call this leaving and cleaving, right? You might hear that a lot, leaving and cleaving. And, you know, when, where you leave your house, there is a severance 
that takes place. There is a change in priority that happens that says, hey, my new family, namely my spouse, takes precedence over my previous family. A great way to put this, when we were in premarital counseling, Emily and I, we, we had premarital counseling with Pastor Rodney and his wife, Tracy, and we were talking about this. We were talking about this idea of leaving and cleaving, and, and Pastor Rodney said to me, he said, hey, when, when you get married, he said, if Emily's driving down the road and she gets a flat tire, she's not calling mom anymore. She's calling you. And it made it clear in that moment, like, okay, you know, like, I've become her in case of emergency contact, right? That's the role that I play in her life. And so to truly leave your father and mother, there needs to be some serious growing up. And so I would ask you tonight, if you're single, dating, married, whatever season of life, how can you take steps to continue to grow up and continue to mature? Ladies, I'm sure when you picture your significant other, you want him to be a grown man, right? Can I get an amen from the ladies, right? Guys, I'm sure when you picture your significant other, you want her to be wife material, correct? So while you wait for marriage, while you wait for a relationship, focus on maturing and growing up yourself so that when it's time to leave and cleave, it's not a shock to your system. And a great shift in perspective when it comes to this as, as someone who is single, someone who's dating, is to prioritize character over chemistry. I want to say that one more time, to prioritize character over chemistry. Not that chemistry doesn't matter, but character matters so much more. Think about this. Did you know that studies show that physical infatuation only lasts 18 months? 18 months. Not attraction, infatuation. 18 months. But character lasts a lifetime. I heard recently that the, the origin of the word character was a, a word used for a stamp, something that would stay the same regardless of what you pressed it into, okay? And so as you were out there on the prowl, as you were out there looking for that special someone, you need to look at the stamp that they leave on the other relationships in their life. How do they treat their parents? How do they treat the waiter and the waitress? Look at the impression that they're making on everyone else because that will be a sure sign of how they will one day treat you. And there's plenty of room to mature and grow in marriage too. And so it's always a good time to take steps to do that. You know, if you ask anyone here that is married, they will tell you marriage gives you no option but to grow up. And you're not going to find true intimacy, true depth in a romantic relationship if you cannot fully leave and cleave. Owning your own faith, being able to provide for yourself. I had someone tell me one time, there's no, rom there's no romance without finance. All right? I like that one. And agreeing with your spouse on the way that you go about things. And that takes some serious growing up. And that growing up can start even in your single and dating days. And you can get a massive head start on your marriage and do your future spouse a massive favor and honor God in the process. And also, I'm going to throw this in for free to the guys because you know that I love you. Your future wife wants to be your wife, not your mom too. 1 Corinthians 13 says that when I was a child, I thought and reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It might be time to do that. All right, let's move on. Let's read the next part of the verse. So, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Hold fast to his wife. All right, Emily and I drove to Raleigh this past weekend. And it's about a four-hour drive. And I drove and... 
I know this is going to sound insane, okay? But the whole time we were driving, I kept my hands on the steering wheel. Isn't that crazy? I kept my hands on the steering wheel for the entire four-hour drive, right? Why? Well, what would happen if I let go? Well, the car would go off the road, right? I might have even tried it once just to see if I made sure this point would stay. Just kidding. But it didn't matter if there was traffic. It didn't matter if we were driving fast, driving slow. It didn't matter if we argued over directions or who picked the music or got on each other's nerves or if she fell asleep. It didn't matter. I was under an obligation, and we were in agreement that whatever happened, that no matter what, my hands were going to stay on the steering wheel. I was holding fast. You know, in a marriage, we have to commit to not letting go of our significant other no matter what happens. And so the next thing that that we can learn from this verse is to be committed You know, I think one of the most profound things I've heard and definitely experienced about marriage is that it's not a 50-50 share of the work. It's 100% and 100% to commit, to to hold fast, to not let go whatever happens. And if you're someone who who is single, a, a way for you to prepare for marriage is to stay committed to the things in your life, to stay faithful to the things in your life, to hold fast to the commitments that you make. You know, being wishy-washy about everything, you know, not being someone who, who sticks to their word, those can one day be barriers to a healthy romantic relationship and healthy marriage. And so get used to making commitments. Get used to not breaking your promises and lead a life of integrity, even to the degree maybe of being stubborn for the sake of your integrity. Stay committed. Let's read the last third of that verse. So it says, A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I want to be perfectly clear about this one. This is about more than just sex. You know, should a, did God design a married couple to become one flesh in a physical way? Yes. But when you get married and the honeymoon ends, you will realize that becoming one flesh has a lot less to do with the bedroom and a lot more to do with how you operate as husband and wife. You know, if, you, if, if we don't get it through our brain, and I, and I pray that you do, marriage will, mar- marriage will teach you that life is not about you. And that's hard. And that's why it's so important, as Emily's grandpa said, to shave off those edges of self, to make that relationship work, to become one flesh, to put your spouse's needs above your own, love them unconditionally, to settle for nothing less than a God-honoring marriage. And that's something that you can start right now, today, before you even leave this room understanding that the world does not revolve around us, but instead we're called to lay down our lives for the people in our lives, to, to love them, encourage them, serve them, pray for them. When you, you know, when you get married, you become responsible for your spouse's well-being. And so if you enter into a marriage completely consumed with yourself, you're in for a rude awakening. And so it's best to start weeding that stuff out before you step into that relationship so that when you do, you, cannot, you can do so not as just two individuals, but as one unit. And uh, I wanted to bring this full circle for you tonight because marriage is, you know, marriage is something that, that is under attack in the world. You know, divorce rate's incredibly high. You know, uh, marriage is sometimes seen as obsolete thing of the past. And so I wanted to talk about God's design for marriage partly because of that. Also because, I, you know, partly because I wanted those who are single and dating to, to know what to prepare for. And trust me, we've just cracked the surface tonight. I mean, I had 20 minutes, all right? So, I mean, there's a lot to it. And, uh, but also, I wanted, to do, I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to show you that 
God's design for marriage was not just something that he randomly put into Scripture. You know, you might be thinking because I showed you an Old Testament Scripture about God's design for marriage, that, man, that's outdated, that's, it's old school. Well, let me show you something. Let's move to the book of Ephesians, and I want to read to you from chapter 5. And the Apostle Paul, he gives a challenge to husbands and wives, and, uh, and he starts with wives, and this is what he says. He said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And he moves on to the husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That sounds familiar, right? Paul's quoting the verse we read from Genesis chapter 3, chapter 2. So this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so he says, okay, wives, submit to husbands as the church submits to Christ. And husbands, die for your wife, lay your life down for her as Christ did for the church. And so what you see in this is God's design for marriage is to be a reflection of the relationship between Jesus and his church. Right? Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, die for your wife as Christ died for the church. And so God's design for marriage is to be a portrayal of the gospel to the world. That Jesus died for me and you. And so now we submit to him, that he chose us, that he loves us unconditionally, that he's committed to us, and that no matter what happens, he's not letting go of us, that he sees the deepest, darkest things about us, the worst things about us, and he chooses to love us anyway. And it's not because of our actions or our our love for him, but his love for us. And so now you can see why God says he hates divorce, because it's a poor reflection of his covenant relationship with his people. And man, I'm glad that my relationship with my wife, the the way that my flesh would approach it, I'm glad that he doesn't approach our relationship with us, right? Because that'd be a weak gospel. That's not one worth giving your life to. But through his design for marriage, through his design for chemistry between male and female, our marriages and our future marriages can be a bright, shining reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And I'll tell you right now, to the single and dating people in the room, If you missed everything I just said, if you missed this entire night, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. As a follower of Jesus, marriage is not the goal. Marriage is not the goal as a follower of Jesus. Jesus was never married. The goal, God's goal for you, is to become one with him before you ever become one with a spouse. The target on the wall is not a relationship with a spouse, it's a relationship with him. The goal is not to find fulfillment and satisfaction in a person. It's to find fulfillment and satisfaction in Christ. And one piece of advice I heard that I want to share with you is this, that you're not ready to date until you're ready not to date. That you're not ready to date until you're ready not to date. And when you get to a spot where you can be secure and fulfilled and satisfied with who you are in Christ and being okay with nothing changing, with nothing more, then you are at your most ready to date and you're most ready to marry. 
And so to wrap this up tonight, if you are single or dating or married, I would challenge you, and Scripture challenges us to, to take steps to mature ourselves to, and mature our relationship with God, to be committed to the things and the people in our life, to live a life of integrity, and then to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on others. And when we do that, our relationships with the opposite sex will be how God designed them to be. And again, to the single and dating people, find your identity in Christ before you try to find it in somebody else. If you would, stand and pray with me. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for showing us a design of, uh, your design for marriage. And God, just so blown away by the fact that this was a design put in place before the fall of man. And for some reason, you let us still have it on this side of Eden. And so, God, we thank you for that. And we thank you how it's not just an outdated old school approach but instead, God, it's something that is a reflection of the gospel to the world. That a man and wife operate like you and your church. And so, God, I, I thank you for that. And I thank you for every person in here that's single, dating. God, as they, as they find the one that you have for them. God, as they, they walk through their life. God, I pray that they would find their identity in you first. That they would find their identity not in, not in a person, but in you. And I pray, God, as we leave here tonight, that we would all take steps to mature ourselves and mature our relationship with you, that we'd be committed to the things in our life and to be faithful to them and to ultimately take, take our eyes off of ourselves and to put them on you and put them on others. So we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome.